Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York City, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am also co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as the graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. Check us out on Twitter at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer, and you can find us on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And let's see, on Facebook, uh, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. Uh, and don't forget that you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. And, and this week on More to Come, we've got uh, the uh, uh, craziness at Marvel with Ike Perlmutter and Kevin Feige. Um, Electro Comics, Alan Moore Goes Digital. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, an article we have by Todd Allen, Four Risk Factors in the Comics Industry. Uh, we'll take a look at comics journalism. And an interesting, innovative deal between Locust Moon, a comic shop in Philadelphia, and the Philadelphia Museum of Art. So, let's get right to it. What's up at Marvel? Well, um, <laughs> you know, last time Kate and I did this together, uh, we were talking a little bit about DC's shakeup and um, with how their sales are in the crapper. And, um, you know, looking at what they're going to do to kind of boost sales. And, you know, then right on the heels of that, Marvel announced that there was a big separation at the studio where Kevin Feige, who runs the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, is the head of Marvel Studios, was no longer be under Ike Perlmutter, the, the former owner of <laughs> Free Marvel. at last. Free at last, free at last. <laughs> Thank Thank Thor Almighty, I am. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Kim Masters at The Hollywood Reporter really did all the heavy lifting on this story, but uh, reported that um, Feige had complained to Bob Iger that uh, about several, you know, apparently there was, Ike is very budget conscious, and so Feige had chafed under that, and finally... Um, Bob Iger said, yes, you can come over here, just sit next to me, and you won't have to listen to Ike. Now, Ike, of course, we talked about him many times before, but legendarily, cheapskate, like at one point after Marvel went bankrupt, he banned people from turning on the lights at the office. So, um, you know, he banned them more than they were allowed to. I think they're still only allowed to make one pot of coffee in the morning. He sounds like Jonah he, Jameson. Yes. Or something. He's, well, he makes Jonah Jameson look like a philanthropist, which I guess he's given a lot of money to the NYU hospital, but um, not to Marvel. Not to Marvel. No. And, uh, you know, his cost cutting measures apparently have spilled over a little bit into Disney or yeah. since they acquired well, the company. No, uh, he runs Marvel Studios. Yes. Right. And he is. Permuta runs the publishing side. But well, he, he has been TV also. And yeah. TV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, but uh Perlmutter had previously been over the Marvel umbrella with Yeah, he was yeah, Perlmutter had run them both. Under, yeah, he had right. final say, I guess, on both sides. And yeah. um I know that the there has been some talk that Cash Cows a few years ago, um they had been playing hardball with some of the actors about renewing their contracts and about how much they should be paid, and they had been thinking of recasting a lot of the Avengers uh, after they had already been on screen. And uh, RDJ basically right. put the kibosh on that, but that it was Perlmutter who had been a driving force behind, let's not pay these actors so much money. Well, then, uh, in retaliation, Ike said, let's not pay Robert Downey Jr. that much money because he was supposed to have a major role in uh, Captain America Civil War, which is the next big Marvel right. Cinematic yeah. Universe yeah. film mm -hmm. coming out yeah. next April. 
And um, uh, Ike was like, well, you can't pay this guy so much. We don't need Iron Man. And, you know, if it's called Civil War, it's probably based on the Marvel story Civil War. We, in I which would hope so. Captain America and Iron Man uh, kind of go at it. So, um, you know, I think this is probably the tipping point for uh, Feige in terms of uh, going to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> going to. oh, my God, my phone is ringing right now. Unbelievable. But um, <laughs> Some source. Yeah, with some, a, a source. Some bowl in the comics source. industry with a hot tip. Yeah, with a hot Tip, but um, <laughs> probably could explain all. Heidi's sitting here with a fedora well, with press, I, a press, uh, yeah. a card but stuck <laughs> in the top. Anyway, um, anyway, uh, lost my train of thought oh, there. Um, but anyway, so yes, so, so basically, Feige. when when Kevin Feige went to uh, Bob Iger and said, "Look, you know, this movie, we can't, we we can't hold back anymore." Uh, Iger said, yes, it is time. And, and Perlmutter and Iger, Iger and, uh, you know, have never gotten along. Yeah. So, uh, Nikki Fig famously wrote that, you know, Iger said, I can't be charmed, which is totally true. So, for me, covering this story, um, you know, a lot of questions. Um, TV, which is run by Jeff Loeb and, uh, some other folks, uh, consists of the animated series, Agents mm-hmm. of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the upcoming Mockingbird uh, spinoff. Not to mention Agent Carter. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Beloved yes, Agent Carter. Yes, let's not forget uh, Agent Carter. Those are still under Perlmutter. Now, is there going to be a uh, movie TV? I mean, there's been little hints. You know, mm. for instance, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., as we discussed many times, was spinning its wheels until Captain America Winter Soldier came out so that, so that it could have the big reveal of yeah, the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier going crashing into the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. Um, so that was a big TV movies kind of crossover thing. Um, you know, it hasn't been huge though. They've been doing, they have done a lot of little like crossovery, um, cameos and, and Easter eggs in the mm-hmm. TV show, but yeah. not in reverse. For example, the TV end of Marvel had been saying, yes, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show and all the movies are in the same universe. And they're all, it's all contiguous, all right. one place. Mm-hmm. But then when interviewed, Joss Whedon said, oh no, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, that stuff didn't happen in the movies. Like, that's, <laughs> that, none of, none yeah, of this well, applied to the movies. So there was, was a, still dead. There like, was already a, um, there was already a bit of a, a chill going yeah. on. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and we shouldn't leave out Daredevil on yeah, that. No, yeah. although well, it's yeah, an unusual, since yeah, it's so on Netflix. Ne- yeah, the Netflix shows are coming, yeah. and obviously those have a pretty tightly interwoven uh, continuity. Yeah, and they, co- yeah. they connect with the movies as they well. They do. They do. So, so is there going to be Civil War here? I mean, we don't know. And, you know, what's going to happen to publishing? Now, so I've heard- I mean, in particular, since uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been really very successful. Yeah. Right? Why wouldn't you want well, I think what that connection? Well, I think what they're doing is because the TV has not been as successful as the movies, it's it's like the relationship of tie-in comics yeah, and yeah. movies or tie-in books and movies where it's like, oh, yes, you want to associate your lower-paying thing with our higher-paying thing, but our higher-paying thing does not deign to notice you. Yeah, well, that seems to be the case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, traditional TV but, and movies. But theoretically, this is all one IP. Well, this the, is IPs owned by the same that company. That was the original concept. <laughs> so, and also, one thing. Now, I haven't seen Ant Man, so uh, yeah, I haven't seen it's it. It's still either. playing at my local theater, so maybe I'll sneak off and see it before eh, it goes maybe out. Maybe when it comes on DVD. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's small. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, there's been now the other story that broke after this was that not only was Kevin Feige cutting loose from Mike Perlmutter, but he was also cutting loose from Marvel's 
creative consultants. Um, oh, 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 the, the, the committee. Team, the creative right. committee. Dan yeah. Buckley. Dan Buckley, yeah. Alan Fine, Joe Casada, right, Brian right, right, Mike right, right, Bendis, right. and right. Uh, you know, one other person who maybe Jeff, I, I can't remember who it yeah. was, but uh, basically that Marvel's publishing and um, Marvel's publishing arm had uh, you know, a say. Like they would, things would be run by them. And, and the stories that were floated said that it was they who were responsible for scotching Edgar Wright's uh, Ant-Man, which, of course, we just spoke about. You know, it was like sad. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, why is the brilliant that's... vision of Edgar Wright being quashed? I know. Here. Believe me. That's the only reason why I wanted to see it. Right, right. So, uh, so <laughs> Yeah, he was literally the so, only selling so, point. You know, I see, just as someone who follows this pretty closely, I see a lot of spin going on, obviously. Now, mm. uh, it, you know, it seems like various factions are planting stories with their journalistic choice. Ha, ha, ha. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously with... <laughs> Speculation with the, the the Hollywood side, it seems like people are that you know it's obviously a pro Kevin Feige side that is is saying that Marvel was holding them back and you know Ike is cheap, which we all know and and all this sort of stuff. And some other outlets have had a little bit more like, well, maybe Kevin Feige wasn't all that and. Mm-hmm. And, oh, like what? Well, I mean that's <laughs> just the st- I mean you know I'm talking specifically about. Uh, Rich Johnson, and you know, I mean, I have a lot of problems with Rich sometimes, but he's got very good sources. Yeah, I'm not, he you sure, know, does, he sure does. You know, he certainly does, but you know, he also only gets part of the story. And uh, you know, the stories coming out from that side have been very on lockdown, like not very much. Hmm. So, and and obviously more like, um, you know, I, I would say that's kind of the the, the uh, Kevin Feige one and all that. You know, so I mean, that's kind of what you have. It's yeah. like, oh, you guys are busybodies versus, well, he's not all that. So, uh, you know, I'm sure on the lot, it's a lot more dramatic than that. But I worry. I don't. I, you know, my own worry is that. Um, I mean, one other thing I've heard is that the people at Marvel tend to not really. Um, they really think that they don't need Disney, you know, like they think they did it all, uh, and that Disney hasn't really had that much to do with the success of them. Um, you know, I think if you compare, I mean, that's partly true, but mm-hmm. if you compare the rollout for the Hulk to the rollout for Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy was Disneyfied all the way. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah. you know. And, and in the best possible way. In the best yeah. possible way. It's like, you know, the, the, uh, toys for Groot and for, um, Cups in your local oh, supermarket. Course, yeah, Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> I mean, Rocket and Groot have become like beloved icons. Yeah, And sure. the way that only Disney can do. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I, I think Marvel has a huge reach, but uh, I think it's not, not quite as effective or as instantaneous. And monetizing. Yeah, and you know... Uh, and advertising. I, right, and I think one other thing we talked about here is that, um, you know what? Avengers Age of Ultron wasn't all that. It yeah. was not. It was not all that. No, and, no. Um, I think... But I'm all this whole notion that I mean I have been reading more and more online about this notion that Age of Ultron was a failure. I mean I thought it were, I thought it had aesthetic problems. I'll put it that that I don't think. I mean even I which, who was sort of frustrated by the film, I didn't say that it wasn't entertaining. Uh, I just feel like it's moved into an era of like extreme formulaic well, I, predictability. I, yeah, but you I know, think I but, think what's going on is, is that before you say about that, I just want to point. It still one, made I a wanna, crazy right, amount of money. I want to point something out. The source of this uh, Disney thought Age of Ultron was a failure is again from Bleeding Cool. That is a direct uh-huh. quote from Bleeding Cool. So this is coming from the Kevin Feige ain't all that camp. Okay, so I mean I'm just saying. Well, this, this is, is this has spurred full blown articles in Business Insiders. 
Yeah. About this notion that it was a failure. Right. right. But I'm also, but I'm, but I'm also, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm just saying, it's like yeah. there's spin. There's spin yeah, that, yeah. going on here. So no, and I think, oh, I think you're right, right too. Well, but, uh, actually, yeah. I think what's going on here is that Avengers was Beverly Hills Cop 1. Yeah. <laughs> Age of Ultron was Beverly Hills Cop 2. Not so great, still okay. And Disney probably would be idiots if they wouldn't try to course correct and make sure that they don't make Beverly Hills Cup 3. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, it's it's not a matter of it being a total failure, just perhaps of a sign that they might want to tweak the formula well, a little bit. Well, you know, you had, in, 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 again, Guardians of the Galaxy, absolutely a classic. That movie's a classic. You know, I mean, you can watch it over and over again. And you, it's wonderful. You will remember it even if you don't care about yeah, the rest of the MCU. It immediately became... Um, part of cartoons in the New Yorker. You yeah. know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember. Well, it has become a cultural text touch touchdown Rocket without is, a doubt. Rocket is talking to Groot and says, you know, maybe I am Groot is the best password. I mean, you know, <laughs> isn't the best password. It's yeah. great. It's great. So, you know, and, sure. I, and, and I mean, you know, the first Avengers had a little bit of that kind of impact, but, uh, it just got ground down. I mean, it bogged down and all this. Oh, we have to set up. You know, it's my review, but I, I don't know. We're going to minutia, but it just got bogged down. It just got bogged down by this continuity. Whereas Guardians was more like this, you know, spinoff book that was fresh and uh, interesting. And in a way, and, you know, uh, and it wasn't a superhero movie. Winter Soldier technically. was a spinoff book too, in a successful kind of way. That right. it was its yeah. own self-contained thing for all that it was part of this larger right. universe. And I think that the fact that it was. For all it might have been related to other things, it didn't feel like, oh, well, it has to do this and this and this to set up that and do this to set up that yeah. and blah, blah. But I mean, people complain about Avengers. It's like, well, Thor didn't do anything. He just got, you know, took off his shirt and went to a pool. I mean, what is wrong with that? I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing you do. That's what you do, Thor. But, um, you know. I if mean, you Thor's have Thor, he has to be shirtless yeah. at some point. And, and wet. But, I mean, there's a movie. He has his own movie. And, I mean, I think it, it becomes very difficult because people want to see their Thor. And, <laughs> yes, they do. Um, you know, like I. You, well, people want to see all of their favorite yes, characters. They do. I mean, that's that's what's driving a part of this thing is that we love these characters and we want to see their ind- individual expression. And believe me, every black guy, I have a a, a Black Panther T-shirt that I wear. Oh, and I'm wow. telling you, Jesus. every black person I meet on the street says the first thing they say is, "You know, the movie's coming." Mm-hmm. And they better not screw well, this, it up. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's so much. <laughs> if they screw up Black Panther, oh my god! And then, you know, like in the even in the time we've been doing this podcast, which is a you know a few years, like we've been talking, will they ever do a female superhero movie? It's like you know, once I mean, they're doing Wonder Woman. I mean, this is a whole another discussion. But you know, DC and like like oh boy, you know, Kevin Sujahara is in trouble, and so is like the Warner's is having a terrible year, and you know, Batman versus Superman better do well. And, uh, you know, when they announce a Captain Marvel movie, it's going to be the same kind of thing. Yeah. It's going to be like this real excitement. And, you know, with Black Panther, it's like people are so excited yeah. to see well, these movies. Speaking of the uh, Perlmutter-Feige split, um, what I had been reading in several articles were that Marvel Kremlinologists had uh, their sources that said that a lot of the de-emphasis of female characters, both in marketing and in the movies was partly driven by Perlmutter's opinions <laughs> of what would sell. Yeah. He's like the the villain behind the door with a big mustache yeah. twirling. Like, yeah. I mean, all roads lead to ice. Well, I mean, but I, I, I can see how it would be believable, given that he is of an older generation. 
And was a member of the of Mossad when he was in Israel. I mean, this guy was fought in the Seven Days War. Yeah, I mean, he, okay. you know, and carries a gun. I mean, well, but I, I was thinking more. <laughs> I mean, more, it's not even theoretical. He's like, this guy is a villain. <laughs> but I, like I was Nick thinking Fury. <laughs> I was thinking more in terms of, you know, it, it's believable that perhaps he has some retrograde attitudes because they were yes. the norm when he was young. Yeah, and that might inform his business decisions. Right. 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 Yeah, yes, and that yeah. seems to be the case too. I mean. The, with the, what, the, the Black Widow, yeah, uh, merchandising. Supposedly. I mean, this is a throw off line in another, yeah. another story, but you know, this is the rumors that it was Ike that was putting the kibosh on putting the Black Widow. And then people are like, but there are Black Widow toys. But there are many. There aren't many, and they weren't in the first run. And, and uh, the one, and it's like, I the, mean, I own the few that exist. But you know, the <laughs> one that got everyone was like when Lego did the scene where the Black Widow rides the motorcycle and they replaced her with Captain yeah, America. Right. I mean, that's. Yeah. Bulk yeah. shit. I'm sorry. Yes. You're gonna have to put a mature ratings on this, but anyway, yes. it, is. <laughs> it deserves it. It's bull. It is without a doubt. <laughs> I should get my phone. Uh, well, my well, but anyway, well, well anyway. we can't solve all the problems at Marvel, no. but we're gonna try our best. Yeah. We'll and we'll be back uh, on this subject again for sure. But speaking of attempts to solve the problems of the industry, Alan Moore has uh, decided that despite occasionally being skeptical of our modern age that he would launch a digital comics app a digital comics app that suited alan moore's vision of the world that is to say keep it simple stupid electra comics has just finally debuted it was announced last year but it has come out now and it is not only a comics app where you can download his brand new digital masterpiece Big Nemo, his take on Little Nemo <laughs> yeah. written by Alan Moore uh, drawn by Colleen Duran but it also is meant to give creators greater creative control in that um, say you make your comic you want to have it on uh, Electra Comics you host the file that they pull from so therefore you have full access to it to edit it to pull it to do whatever you want because it's it's coming from your oh, right. source. Interesting. so it's a self-publishing uh it, it platform is, it as well it is a self-publishing platform mm. as well it will be curious are, to know what their terms are they are uh they're having a a creator toolbox they are releasing mm -hmm. later this month um which supposedly is meant to make it very easy for creators to use uh although Alan Moore's personal um, philosophy of uh, digital comics was in uh, the press junket where he said that he felt, and he as someone at Electric Comics was encouraging Electric Comics creators to not go overboard in the digital effects um, with things like, if you see a dripping faucet, you don't need to actually animate the dripping. Everybody knows it's dripping. <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Sort of comics 101. Yeah. I have, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, certain digital comics app have have tried for some cheap effects that yeah, have not oh, necessarily work. They'll as be well. well. They'll remain nameless. Yes. Yeah. We all know who they are. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I mean, I uh, I haven't followed it too much for some reason. I don't know. I'm not on their press list, so I, I miss a lot a lot of times when they make their announcements. But um, you know, I, this has been in the works for it's been in the a works, long but it's now time. here. Yes, it's it is now, now here. here. And uh, you know, I I, I mean, Alan Moore's involved. It's obviously his children who are more involved with it because yeah. they. Uh, he, Alan himself admitted self admitted luddite, but you well, know, I mean, I think he as a self admitted luddite is like the philosophical. 
father of it yeah, and they yes. are the people who are making it happen yes exactly exactly mm-hmm. so i mean it's exciting uh, i mean i think alan moore is a very vital force in comics Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's always now. exciting to see him get um to get excited <laughs> yes 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 well, you know, doubly it's excited. infectious well, yes you know maybe it will be um something for people who are more concerned about creative control as alan moore very much is uh, you know, that when you host your file and when you can pull it at any moment and replace it in any way you like, maybe that gives people a security that they don't always have with other apps that might, say, put a little censorship bar over your thing or make it hard for you to fix your oopses when you upload it. Uh, you know, who sure. knows? Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah, definitely. What's the URL for this? Or the, it's an app? It's an app. Mm-hmm. It's called Electra Comics mm-hmm. with an I. Um... And it is now in the App Store. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, um, we will keep an eye on that. Obviously, I'm very curious about the self-publishing aspect of it and the terms for the writers and the like. So we will see what happens. Um, moving okay. right on. Yeah, yes. we're also keeping an eye on four risk factors. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Todd uh, Allen wrote a, a, a real interesting big picture kind of piece for us um, uh, that kind of looked at, you know, challenges facing yeah, the industry now. and I mean, the things that he talked about were, uh, you know, only four, really. Um, but, you know, he pointed out just I, – I think he's more concerned about the fate of the periodical. Uh, yeah, that's true. And, but, but very interesting, he talks about the diverging audiences yes, for yes. periodicals and for graphic novels. Yes, I and, mean, and, yeah, I mean, that's very obvious. I mean, when you look at – even Amazon, you know, you can see that, you know, kids' graphic novels are getting a lot of play. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a big difference between book scans numbers and comic shops, diamonds, graphic novel charts. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, there's definitely diverging. And that's great. That's healthy. It means that there's a larger audience. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, I mean it, obviously, it's a risk factor. I mean, when we look at the market now, it really seems as though... It really seems that there's some weird um, equilibrium, that there's yeah. kind of a symbiotic relationship now between the periodical, certainly in the conventional comics industry. It seems as if the biggest, from the biggest to the smallest publishers, I, as I've seen it develop over the last few years, it seems as though they've kind of worked at how to make these two forms work together. Everything's paced for trade now. A- a- abs- well, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything. Story arcs are designed to be collected into mm-hmm. book formats. I mean, it really, in many ways, uh, I mean, this wasn't always the way it was oh, done. Oh, certainly was not. That the stories are designed this way. It's an intricate part of the business. It's not, I don't get the feeling so much now that there is, Within the publisher's mind, that there's a huge separation, except in the sense that it's easy, it makes it easier sort of to monetize the whole thing, and in many ways to publicize because right. you've got a book coming out periodically, sort of to remind, remind readers. And it still gives you there. backlist. It gives you backlist Absolutely. in a way you otherwise Absolutely. do not have. And now with the the periodicals also being released in digital. I mean, it's in many ways you you can have your cake and eat it too. I mean, you can. You can read the things as they come out and keep this keep the, a sense of the story in place. Right. right. And you know, well, go we, to the store and get the book when yeah. you want to read it all in but one you know, sit down sitting. Kate and I talked about this the week mm-hmm. that you were on vacation, Colin. That, that's true. You guys had a really yeah, good podcast good looking at the future of the and floppy. I, and I've talked to other people about this, and that you know, everyone is the same. It's like you know, it's very rare to see a child reading a periodical. Comic. Yeah. Now, yes. um, you know, one of the things that Todd points out in the second risk fact that he talks about is just Marvel and DC being on shaky ground. And I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, it looks fine for now, but as we've been discussing over the last couple of months here, and you know, even today, it's like both Marvel and DC are 
promotional arms of giant corporations and these corporations are always in flux and i you know it's like the the importance of the periodical comics vary from from month to month you know the winds the blowing winds i mean they're yeah. very much subject to the larger stress of what is happening at yeah. these companies and also if you look at Marvel and DC's sales, they really have failed to generate a larger audience. Like DC, unfortunately, definitely needs a reboot, another reboot for the reboot because the one didn't work out so well. Um, and, you know, Marvel, if you took away uh, their Star Wars, I mean, they would not actually be doing mm. that much better. And I mean, when they relaunch their comics, it's going to be a lot closer. Like, mm. you know, ironically, people have been complaining because their reboot uh seems to be a lot more conservative but you know looking at how dc kind of went off on this this wild this comprehensive well, a little, you know. yeah a little fresher i mean a lot yeah. different from their core audience and guess what they didn't they didn't yeah. do it you know they didn't sell it they didn't sell it yeah um so maybe marvel's smarter but but you know what i don't there anytime you have only a few inflection points you have danger and i think you know what todd's other two points are is that you know we have like no question that comic shops are propped up by the i mean not propped up but the big two is their main business and mm -hmm. that's fine but um you know we also have comiXology being the primary digital vendor and on the print side diamond is this almost a monopoly yeah. you know yeah and anytime you have a single point like that mm -hmm. it's 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 vulnerable yeah it really well, is yeah well I, you know you in, in your podcast you said it i mean it's it's you know, as a as a as a book industry, you know, journalist. I mean, my focus tends to be on the book format. But I, like everyone else, I mean, the the the, the periodical comic is really how I got here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's how I got to now. But yeah, I mean, right. I don't see a whole lot of kids reading them either, necessarily. And you have to wonder. I mean, comic shops haven't always been the most hospitable place for kids. There, obviously, there's a different generation of comic shops out there, but there's still a lot of them out there that are like the old ones. Right. And, you know, one thing that, uh, you know, not to sound too privileged, but one thing that we're a little bit insulated from is the cost of comics. Yeah. You know, both Marvel and DC are looking at, uh, you know, going from three ninety nine to four ninety nine. You yeah. know, And you know what? For $2 more, you can buy a whole book from Viz or, uh, you know, you yep. can buy books. Yep. You can buy books for $7.99 yep. and $8.99 and $10.99. And for $9.99, you can buy a whole image trade. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, this... And if you buy them by digital, you can... Right. You can get That's the right. whole graphic That's novel. Right. I, I have if to say. If you read them on, on your iPad. Yeah. And when you get that new big iPad, yeah. you know, that costs $1,000. That costs more <laughs> than a laptop. That's right. Well, you can use your parents. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, but, you know, you can you can do it on your phone. You can do it yeah. on your Kindle. Everywhere. But, um, you know, I have to say that we're not completely insulated because while we do get DC Comics here for review and we do get some selected things from other publishers, like if you want to get your favorite image book, like for mm -hmm. sure, like you're not going to miss that issue, man. Um, or, you know, a Marvel book, like you have to buy it in the actual comic store among us here. Right. And so, you know, I'm in the store and sometimes I'll be looking at, you know, like Darth Vader, Princess Leia. And I'm like, how much am I loving this? Am I loving this enough to pay $4 for this? Am I $4 worth of loving this? And often the answer is uh, maybe not $4 worth of loving this. Right. Certainly not. Yeah. Five. Yeah. And, you know, like. Comics are a blocked off part of my disposable income. I don't like buy a lot of other extra amusement crap. 
Uh, and even I'm just like, eh, maybe I'm not going to buy it. You know, when I was a kid and comics cost 35 cents, every time Mar- I would go to the um, James Way and buy my comics mm-hmm. and or the 7-Eleven, and every time they raised the price. I mean, I was very uh, meticulous. I had a list where I wrote down every month mm. what comics I had and whether I'd missed an issue or not because some of them were bi-monthly then. And you yeah, that's them. right. That's right. And, um, you know, when they went, I would look at that pile of comics and I would say, which ones am I not going to read this month? You know, because same was just what Kate said, yeah. you know, and I mean, it's, it's the same. It's well, I know, same. you know what I used to, I think I told you guys about this once before is that, uh, you know, my, what I would do on Saturday mornings and I would buy comics from the newsstand. That's how old I am. Uh, but I would also, one of the other things I did after I'd gotten the new ones, um, and cause when I started reading comics it was before there were, there were comic shops. And I would go off to all of the mom and pop stores. I would just travel as go as far as I could looking for back issues because what I would do, because what, you know, they all did was they buy these huge racks, tear the covers off, which they're supposed to return to the ID. They're supposed to destroy the comics, but of course they never did. They would sell them for five cents. So I would look and that's how I found back issues. And that's how I found the, the issues that I didn't have or whatever. Because I just went around, I was just find mom and pop stores that had these wraps, and I would look through them, pull out the ones I want, yeah, you know, and yeah. that's what I did, yeah, on well, the weekends. So I, I mean, I could see. I mean, we're just guessing. And here. I walked to school barefoot yeah, for ten miles in the, and, you know, in what, the mud and, and snow. You know, we used to uh, live in a hole in a, in a yes. tent in the middle of the road, and we yeah. loved it. And, and um, you know, um, I can see. You know, I think the periodical may become something that you grow into and that, you know, you want, you read these comics, uh, your comics friendly as a child and then you discover it, like, like Kate was saying and when we talked yeah. about it, how you discover this kind of exciting weekly form of storytelling. Well, uh, actually, um, I kind of hated it, but you know, it was the way you got it. Right. Like, this is what it is. This is how you get it. If you don't want to wait like six months and it maybe doesn't come out at all, you know, if you want to be sure you get your hands on it, you buy it. Weekly. Right. But I think that's how a lot of people do like the kind of Wednesday crowd. You know, the Wednesday yeah. crowd likes the Wednesday experience, yeah. the weekly experience of getting this stuff. You know, it's incumbent on Marvel and DC to, uh, if they don't keep the same audience engaged, to keep creating things that are engaging to that audience. So, um, you know, it's evolving. And I mean, I think all of these things, I, I've said this many times, but, you know, call Heidi's Law. It's, um, you know, when people say... How do we save comics? What they're really saying is, how do we save my job in comics? Yeah. And, you know, comics will go on. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, they'll go on on digital or on pancakes or on cave walls or whatever, you know. With the I am not app- worried about the future no, of comics. No, not at all. No. But various delivery methods but, and yeah, but various the, the, the future formats. of floppies and, and, and how the direct, direct market continues to deal with them. I mean, I, I mean, my vision of the market is always that it became more and more of a specialty book market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know, when I, the retailers that I've talked to, you know, they still say that periodicals are still very important mm-hmm. uh, economically. So, you know, we're just going to have to see how this plays out. Uh, you know, I, I honestly don't know, but. Well, you know, and then sometimes the relationship between the publishers and the retailers is very important too. And, and, I, and, and this ties into another article by the very same man, very similar timing, uh, Todd Allen. About um, how much of Marvel's sales being slightly stronger than DC at the moment are variant covers. Yeah. And oh. that, you know, Marvel is putting these demands yeah. on uh, stores that you don't get the variant covers, you don't buy X number of issues, and retailers are chafing at it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it is. And I, I mean, look, I, I think Marvel's very healthy right now. I mean, it they is. definitely are. I mean, I'm not saying they're unhealthy, but I mean, I'm just saying, I think you need to look at just what it is that is driving a lot of their sales right now. And I mean, they had a hundred variant covers for, uh, you know, Star Wars number one. They have a gajillion variant covers. <laughs> and I mean, for retailers, they're beginning to get tired of it. You know, yeah. they're beginning to, like, if you are. But they re- always, but they buy them now. Yeah, they do. And I mean, you know, it's really like an abuse, <laughs> they complain about abusive this, relationship. But, yes, but it really is. The thing is. But that the Marvel makes them because the retailers will buy them. But, yeah. the, but I mean, the thing is, how long will they buy them? You know, <laughs> it seems like they've been saying that for a yeah, long well, but, time. But you know, there was a, there was a rise in. <laughs> it did. It, it did seem to it seem to drop for a while, but it's back full look, force. I'll tell now. you something. Everything. Everybody's got very. I'll covers. tell you something. Marvel's periodical line will not be slain from outside. <laughs> it would only be slain from inside okay. the chamber. Okay. Okay. And, uh, yeah. All right. Only they can kill themselves. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, there you go. We have met we the enemy, be and them. it's you know, probably just, us. Just to be provocative, <laughs> Todd does uh, mention the two doomsday scenarios. Okay, but they're not really doomsday. They're just evolutionary. You know, maybe it is the meteor in the sky for the dinosaurs. But you know, the two things that either either or Marvel could do is uh, Marvel or DC could do either one of these things. And it would change things radically. One of them is go all digital with their periodicals, which, you know, supposedly you just sold the periodicals through Comixology and then you sold the print collections. Okay. So that could be one thing that Marvel and or DC could do. The other is licensing them out, which is where, uh, you know, Warner Brothers or Disney says, why do we have a staff of 150 people to put out these books that sell 10,000 copies? So let's license this out to IDW and Dark Horse so they can do Batman. So, you know, I mean, this is the other uh, Doomsday, this is the other, mm-hmm. you know, thing that would change rapidly. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't see either of those as being completely out of the realm of a I, possibility. I would, I would say that I can't see them happening in the next 10 years, but that's different than not oh, happening I, ever. Oh, I could. You oh, could? I could. Yes, I think yeah. if you look at where we were 10 years ago and, you know, project back, uh, project forward, I think things are evolved. I think things evolve very, very, very quickly. And I could see them happening within five years, I would say. You really? know, or never happening at all. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying, I could see them. You know what? If they happened in a year, I wouldn't be... I Really? No, Marvel or DC? No, because I think that... You know, I mean, especially with DC, I mean, there's all these stories, oh, it's, you know, they're two million in the red or whatever. And again, I reiterate, you know, DC, Warner Brothers hired all these people at director and VP levels to be content strategists and, you know, brand licensing management. I mean, all these highfalutin titles of people who don't do anything but say... Uh, we should put Superman on bedsheets, you know? I mean, that's what they do. And then the bedsheets come in and they say, Superman looks great, except, you know, his, his hair is as dark, not blonde. Uh, I mean, this is what they do. And it's like when you look at, I said, it's like, why do you hire? And if you look at a DC, in fact, I have a DC, I have a comic here. It's a Batman 44 by Scott Snyder and Jock. It's one of the best single issue comics you've read in a long, long time. Um, you know, it has a very small, doesn't have the full masthead in here, but oh, here we go. You know, there's at least 15 vice presidents, okay, <laughs> well, you know, at DC, and that there's probably an equal number of directors. Now, all these people probably make, you know, VPs probably make uh, around six figures, probably, probably, pretty much, you know, directors probably pretty close to that or around there, um, you know. These people, so when you add up all these people who are hired to put out a comic that sells 
17,000 copies a month or 12,000 copies a month in an ads up. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, at that point, you might want yep. to... And then you want, might say, hey, You might want course. to cut the VPs instead of the comics. But that won't happen. Not likely that at all. That won't happen. No, well, that won't happen. But if it ever does, we'll be here to report on yes, it. Yes, we will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, speaking of reporting on things. Yeah. Wither Comics Journalism. Yes. Wither? W-I-T-H-E-R? Yeah, yeah. Or the other one. Yeah. W-I-T-H-E-R. Yeah. So we spelled it the same thing, Kate, but that's okay. But anyway, you get our point. So, uh, you know, we are... <laughs> How well, do we how do we venture into this? I, topic? I, I think I think a way to venture into it is uh, when we were talking about the Perlmutter Feige thing. We were saying that you know a lot of places that were reporting on particularly the Marvel publishing side were very reluctant to really come right out and say anything, and there were a lot of veiled implications and rumors and so on because. Well, people are worried about offending right. or letting it be known who leaked what. Right. And because comics is a small industry, uh, a very small industry. And, um, you know, as we were just talking, like the margins are thin, money is tight, and everybody wants their job to continue. And so then it does make it hard to confirm all these juicy stories you hear whispered about. And then it makes it hard to get into a comics publishing form comics journalism form that then comic fan on the street can pick up and read well you know let let i it's so complicated you know i wrote a very very long post yesterday that you know took me and it started out really about diversity well it did but it but it touches on kind of all the things that the comics internet loves to talk about but uh you, you know i wrote a story earlier in the week where um uh women write about comics there's a really excellent site but it's sort of a volunteer site but has some really great writers on there um some of whom i've been trying to recruit to write for pw but um they uh put up an indiegogo they didn't even do a patreon they didn't do Mm -hmm. a kickstarter they did indiegogo which means you get to keep the money no matter matter how much you get right (laughs) which is a smart move it is a smart move except that you raise less on an indiegogo actually than you do on a kickstarter because kickstarter has just this built-in uh, function, but you know, I understand. I think you can that, start with Indiegogo and get a Kickstarter later, right? That's true. Well, yeah, that's 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 true. So they, uh, anyway, they a, and they said that it was only for three thousand dollars, which is nothing. It's some yeah. change, and they were saying that it was for uh, to cover. Uh, you know, this is their first thing. They're just going to promote the site to get to the point where they can pay their writers. You know, move on. And so, I, I mean, it's, this is a really good site, uh, and you know, it's relying on crowdfunding. And then Tom Spurgeon put a whole post, you know, I think we mentioned before that he had set up a Patreon, which is a different monthly kind of a Kickstarter uh, or crowdfunding, uh, which I have also for the beat. And he mentioned that it was the best thing that had happened to him and uh, it really enabled him to refocus on the site. And, uh, you know, the amount of money he was getting is like $1,400 a month. So, I mean, that's all it took was, uh, you know, this minimal amount of money. And, you know, I mean, we talk about it all the, the just, there's so little money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're all feeling very sad right now as we say that because, you know, we're poor. And, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we want to, uh, be able to buy food, but, um, and comics. And we'd like, you know, we, well, we get comics. And we'd like from, support from the industry. Yeah. Yes. We'd like support from the industry. But, uh, you know, so anyway, the reason why this all came up was because then 
Uh, earlier in the week, Marvel announced that they were doing a comic based on Red Wolf, and which was greeted with right. with happy joy. Yeah, so it's a Native joy. American. The Native idea, American, yes, Native they're, they're taking one of their horrible stereotypical Indian characters <laughs> that everybody has, or Native American. Pardon me, yeah. that is also the wrong word. Uh, not or actually, in, but anyway, in, we won't get indigenous, into that. Indigenous, indigenous. I prefer to say indigenous, but um. Uh, characters, and then they announced that the writer. Uh, well, you know, are we going to say the name? We might as well. I mean, th- th- he's a writer on that book. Yeah. So the, anyway, the name of the writer is Nathan Edmondson, and uh, who's written books for Image and uh, Marvel and DC. And uh, this was greeted from a small but very vocal part of the internet with shock and alarm, at, because they. Suggested that he was uh, an abusive person who had a very bad track record just as being a person. And Now, what we should also add very quickly here, I think, is that, you know, uh, uh, this stuff is more about, seems more about, you know, being annoying to other people. Not necessarily breaking any laws, not attacking right. anybody. This is nothing, right. nothing actionable in any way. No, no, and I mean, but you know, let me. I, I, and I, it becomes right. a kind of weird version of public shaming, but without necessarily anyone providing any any significant well, I, or substantive well, I, but, public but, but, information. Before you, before you jump in, let me just throw this about out why there. we're trashing okay, this guy. Yes, but but let me. So then it has emerged through a series of. Very long blog posts. I wrote one myself, uh, but other sites was significantly. Loser City wrote one, and Graphic Policy wrote one, uh, where it has emerged. And I'll just say this: you know how this is the Heidi's podcast rule, where I often say things here that I won't put in print. But uh, and I have been contacted by other people who say the same thing. But there is a group of perhaps, I mean, maybe a dozen people who have been investigating this guy for nearly two years and have been unable to come up with a story that could be published. So... <laughs> now, what the... But, but the thing is, and the reason that perhaps people are seeing a tiny bit of smoke and imagining a much larger fire yes. is that many times in comics, because it is a small industry, something genuinely bad happens and nobody wants to go on the record... Because it's a small industry. So it makes it hard. Like, you know, a lot of things you figure, how bad can it be if nobody's reporting on it? But in comics, people have gotten the feeling that something can be infinitely bad and not reported yes. on because it's such a small industry and people are scared. It's so called they're... gossip. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but, but what oh, I mean, Calvin, what I mean is, is when you don't, when you don't have a strong backbone of lots of investigative reporting going on in industry, yes. gossip becomes yes. more powerful yes. than it otherwise well, would be. I, I if agree. Gossip is all you my, have. My only issue is that we're raising gossip to the level of some sort of investigative report. Well, it's not. Yes, that's, right. and it's, well, that's not the case. Well, and we're this 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 guy, even though he may be like annoying, uh, it's public shaming, and it's there's no basis. But, but right, but and what I we're mean, saying but, 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 but I mean, it's, it's bad. Is that it's, because I think this is bad? But but is it people are. There's some discussion. This is a, in a weird way, a side effect of the fact that nobody trusts comic reporting to expose anything bad. So therefore, gossip becomes 
more trusted and more powerful than it otherwise Perhaps. would be. But you know what I'm thinking here is that, you know, there's no there there. Yeah, and you know what? As so that when there is no there there, right. it's hard now, to get that message across what, in a way people will believe. Yeah. But, I mean, she says people have been looking into this and they're not coming back with anything. Here, so, but that's not... But that's not generally known. But I'm also, but let me, let me, but I, you know what? I mean, I know there's a lot of things I can't say about this story at all. Do you have to catch me in the gossip lounge for me to talk, <laughs> talk about this? But, um, boy, I don't even know where to begin. Well, I'll say oh. this. I mean, as I've had to report <laughs> on a lot of things in over a lot of years, I'm telling you, if there's something out there and, and it happened to a person, if something was done to someone, then, if nothing else, there's there is off the record accounts. Now let okay. I know what I'm gonna. I'm not, as I came in here, as I literally looked at my computer, and I, you know I check my social media constantly. I checked my Facebook, and there was a friends only post from uh, somebody who actually writes for PW, and uh, but you know uh, all of the good writers about comics write for PW. That's so what it we could like to think anyway. Anyone, <laughs> but uh, and and this person had just put up a whole thing about how they were going to get to the bottom of this and they had launched. They did not care about lawyers and they were going to launch, you know, fire a torpedo, put on blast. They're going to get to the bottom. They know all of this stuff. And I, it's, you know what? You're Calvin. Is, I mean, you know, something, if, if somebody's an, an asshole, I just don't think that's necessary news. And you know, Kate, it's not, no, but Kate, love, you know, point. Kate, Kate stands in. It's often, not, for the millennials <laughs> here on the podcast, uh, because she is younger than Calvin and I, and we're old school, you know. So, so Kate, there seems to be more um, among a lot of, uh, you know, younger comics fans, younger people, millennials. God, that, boy, do I sound old when I'm saying this. But, you know, like, okay, in my day, in my day, when I worked at DC Comics, for instance, certain freelancers were known to be awful. And, you know, but we had to hire them because they were fast or good or whatever, you know. But you had to be both, really. You know, if you were just one or the other, eventually you fell off the radar. But, uh, you know, and some of them were creepy with the ladies. And, it, you know, I mean, it would be me and whoever saying, you know, what about so-and-so? What a creep. Yeah, I know. And like, oh, and he was hitting on yada yada and dee-dee-dee and boo-boo-boo. You know, I mean, here was a man. Uh, who was hitting on women, and to me, that's not newsworthy, okay? I mean, that's just not newsworthy. It's just uh, not. You know, uh, but maybe... Unless he's doing something that crosses right. the well, boundary maybe, of legal maybe, and maybe illegal. hitting on women you worked with was probably well, awesome. It's bad taste. Bad it's not against the law. It's not against the law, unless it became harassing. But, yes. uh, you know, also, and also, it would become like, what a idiot this guy is, you know? And eventually, this guy did not work in comics anymore. But see, idiots in comics... Dog bites man. Right. So anyway, so now, <laughs> I mean, what what do you think when you hear that story? Well, I think the thing is that it can be, because we know there have been genuine abusers who have managed to stay in the industry for a while yes. before getting bounced. And because most people don't have the luxury of being able to say, when I worked at DC Comics yes. and ha being in on the private Facebook groups, if you don't have that level of connection and you just have the knowledge that occasionally bad stuff goes down and you don't hear about it because people keep saying, I can't talk about this, I can't talk about this, I can't talk about this, I know something but I can't talk about this. When you're on the outside, things that may in fact actually not be anything at all, you don't know that. All you right. know is there's a hell of a lot of smoke and you wonder what the fire is. Right. And so, you know... Uh, 
because I think people my age are very used to being like, you know, if I can't get from a mainstream outlet, surely somewhere through the magic of Google, I will find out what's really going on. Yeah. Um, that used to be true, but no more. Why not? Uh, because I think people are just a lot more, uh, you know, circumspect about what they put. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, I yeah. mean, they used yeah. to be able to dredge up all sorts of crap on people. But I mean, I think the people anymore. they still do this. That's why I'm saying that if there's if you're if you're not getting anything, I, I find it hard to believe that uh, someone can work in a business for years. Yeah. People complain about them relentlessly, and, and, and there's no solid, yeah, and, even yeah, back channel. Yeah, let me tell you what Kate see. And this but is, the thing but, is, but, most people don't have access to the back but channel, you see, this so is, they don't know. This is what Kate. What Kate has just said is 100 percent accurate, though, because there is a at the same time, like what I'm talking about. To me, is just like I notice. I said a freelancer, okay? Like if you you work with a lot of different people, if you're in the comics industry, okay, you have a lot of different. Maybe you're working on a book. You have a lot of different relationships, okay? Like that are collegial relationships, and uh, you know when people get together, it is very common for these kind of you know off the books relationships to attempt to be launched. Let's put it that way, okay? However. What is more damaging is when people who are working at the same company, and you know, this is what we call sexual harassment, is when people who work inside the industry who are, you know, using their position of power to, yeah. to pressure people, to pressure people or to humiliate people, which sure. is something I have seen firsthand sure. uh, or even been the victim of. You know, and I mean, this happens. This does happen. And I mean, I think this kind of like, oh, this guy, you know, like, like somebody just put a story about, about a comics pro who was literally, he said this was a story of harassment that came up with this guy was drunk at the Hyatt at Comic-Con, was looking around and hitting on all the girls and they were uh, uh, trying to impress them with the books that he wrote and they were not having any of it. And he just stumbled off. And you know what? Like, so what? Yeah. You know what? <laughs> Why that is happened? that? That is happening right now yes. in some bar here in New York City about five billion times. Yes. Okay. Now, what is a little bit different might be a very powerful uh, person at a major company in the bar um, hitting on a freelancer's girlfriend in front of everyone. And uh, when the freelancer was standing right there saying, aha, that's my girlfriend, uh, they, a person in question saying, well, I was just warming her up for you. And maybe that person getting promoted yeah. after that. And, you know, this is a very well-known story, okay? And I'm not naming names because, uh, again... That's the point. That's the point. But, uh, you know, and well, it's like, I am. But, uh, like, you're right. Like, most because, people in comics know this. But uh, this story is also being investigated, okay? And it's like, come on, people. It happened. So, look. It can be hard to get people to go on the can, record. Except everyone was standing there and saw it. So, you comics journalists, that's the thing that I'm saying. It's like, you know what, comics industry, like, do you... You get what you paid for, okay? So people are volunteering, trying to cover this story, who are not journalists, okay? They're not journalists. Because and the that's profession. obvious. Right. Because if you really knew what you were doing, this story could be blown wide open. Well, but I don't think it's necessarily even a matter of knowing what you're doing is having the connections. So if you're Joe Blow Blogger, who would really like to be a journalist, who maybe has the right instincts, mm -hmm. You know, like, 
Good luck blowing it wide open. You know, listen. Good I, luck getting anyone. But you to know go what? I get emails all the time. Like, do you want to talk about this for this? Do you want to talk to Fast Company about this? Or you know, yeah. about Mark. Do you want to talk about Mark Miller to Business yeah. Insider? Do you want to do? I'm yeah. always, I'm always getting called on as an expert. Mm. You know what? And when somebody, um, Calvin does the same. You know, uh, yeah, I, I get, We're I get both some called yeah. on all the time yeah. as experts. When you talk to one of these people, they have a very different, you know, it's like they're also coming at it from an outsider's perspective. Now, I admit, they I, ask I, dumb I, questions. I but... almost never get questions about, you know, the sort of personalized uh-huh. bad behavior stuff. I get stuff about business trends. I sure, get stuff sure, about. Me too. I, I, I agree. Yes. That sort of things. Who's buying, you know, what's hot, what's not. Um, I mean, I do think that this is. Uh, this is a, this is an obsession that the comics industry has. Uh, I'm not sure it's healthy. Uh, I'm not sure they're focusing. I mean, my feeling is this is a lot of this is public shaming. It's very bad. It's a game of telephone. And really, uh, very often I'm not that interested in it. I think that there is abuses going on that don't reach, um, uh, uh, that don't reach the level of breaking the laws. And yeah, we should somehow get these people out of the business. But this endless dialogue about maybe we've got something but that we're going to blow someone wide open with, but there's never – you never see it. It's just got to stop. Well, you know what? The thing is that Ka- – even Heidi's like, oh, we all know. We all know. We all know that there is this undercurrent, and it's only the undercurrent that reaches the fans, that there is bad stuff going on in there. But we can't tell you who, and we can't tell you what. Because we have jobs we need to protect. That's true. And you do it too. And the thing is, and so then the fans keep hearing this. They keep hearing this <coughs> because it's true. Well, sometimes some people are outed. I mean, Brian Wood, he got hammered. Yeah, occasionally. But what I'm, I'm saying is that I think it's fans who genuinely don't want there to be such a culture of, of this bad stuff going on that, that they only vaguely hear about and would, would like comics to be a better place that, you know, are just fumbling around in the dark. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, I, I this is we're going to have to wrap this up a yeah, little bit, but I, yeah. I will throw this in here. As like, I, I, I agree with you, Kate. You know, I mean, I just think it's like some people need to understand, like, you know, where there is alcohol and there are sexually active people, there will always be inappropriate There will be incidents. bad stories. And it needs to be, you know, people need to be sensitive about that. Both men, women, and yeah. anything in yeah. between uh, need to be more sensitive about how they behave. But, I mean, this is just what happens in human life. And I, I don't think it should, you know, maybe we'll eliminate that. Maybe it's bad. But, you know, that is, to me, is not news. You know, other things that are news, and I, I, I just, I think you're right. I think people need to get, the, and Calvin... It's just like, you know, focus on things that are actually harming people. But the thing is that a lot of the stuff that actually is harming people, no one will go on the record about often because it hasn't quite reached a level of breaking the law. And so therefore people are covering for their jobs and stuff. And so there's just sort of this back alley noises about people. And so for the fans who may not be aware of who has what power over who, when they hear one small detail... The few things that do make it to the fan sphere, the stuff that does leak out, they assume that there's something much, much worse going on to add it to that yeah. smoke. Yeah. And I think it's not wrong of fans to care about their creators, to care about yes, the I publishing, agree. Yes. and yeah. to, to hope that whatever these terrible things they hear hinted at um, do not continue to go on and to not want to support them. And, you know, because... Uh, the investigative reporters of comics, 
you know, we'll always have trouble building a case on people who are working at one of two major companies. They care. And this is a problem that's not going anywhere anytime soon. Right. So, well, you know what? We have been blathering on on all these important topics for so long. I think we don't even have time for briefs. Yeah, because we're running out of time here. So The brief is – there's only one brief, (laughs) Heidi. I think we can handle it. Uh, There is a major – it's the first time there's a major manga exhibit at the British Museum. It's free and open to the public. You should go, you guys. And I, I'm if you're give, in Britain. And I'm going to give a quick shout out to uh, the, the Locust Moon, the, uh, the Philadelphia bookstore that they inked a really interesting deal with the Philadelphia Museum of Art to create a, a comic based on an upcoming um, exhibition about um, uh, uh, Rubens uh, and his famous uh, 17th century painting, uh, Prometheus uh, Bound. Okay, comics are awesome. Yes, they are. Most of the time. (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) And until next time? Uh, More. To come.